Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense, Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football <laughs> on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Slick Enterprises, we're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 150-plus years of football history and memorabilia. And you can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. <laughs> it's at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, the senior contributing writer to Greats Magazine of football, memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He has from Portland, Oregon. Ah. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Bob, so happy to be here. Thank you very much for the uh, intro. I always, how many years has it been? And I still chuckle hearing uh, hearing you give me an intro. I love it. We're back on a hot and humid day here in Connecticut. Joe, I'd like to lead off by asking you about an incredible pickup you made recently over the past few weeks. Can you share it with our audience? Absolutely. Uh, You know, uh, what was it, about uh, three, four months ago, we had uh, our first triple guest show. Uh, We had, uh, you know, Jeff Payne, Steve, we had three guests on, all talking about a uh, article that came out in Gridiron Greats on the 20, 1926 Pottsville Maroons uh, real mm-hmm. postcard uh, that Jeff Payne authored, and uh, you know, uh, and uh, just a, a great show, just a very esoteric, rare, incredibly rare. rare. We, we think there's only four sets that have ever come to surface, including one that just sold in Hunt last year that was a full. Uh, you know, full set, including the only one of a kind, you know, Charlie Berry card that uh, ended up in Jeff Payne's collection. Well, uh, we be, between all of us on vintage football, uh, you know, sports card chat VFC, uh, we've we've put together a spreadsheet showing, you know, where most of these cards came from, and there is some holes missing. Obviously, one Charlie Berry, like I mentioned. So we think he was probably the most popular, you know, on the team. 
and uh, people kept his card or took him to took him to school. You know, who knows what people do? We we all remember what we did with our right. football cards when we were kids. But uh, five more of these cards surfaced from the Zacco Kids Collection, as we beautifully call it, because we're pretty sure uh, the Zacco's Kids ones they hand wrote the name of the person on the front. Sometimes a college they went to, sometimes their position. And they all have little damages to them. And we're pretty sure that these were held up by thumbtacks around Zacco's kid's bedroom at some point. So five cards surfaced. Mm-hmm. Ernst, Stein, Flanagan, Wentz, and uh, Wessinger. All of them pinholes. A couple of them missing pieces where it looks like somebody had the thumbtack still in there and pulled it down and left a little piece of paper up on the wall. But uh, I was able to add two that I was missing, the Ernst and Stein from the Zacco Kids collection, but pretty cool to see our wow. graph with, uh, with all the missing, you know, cards get filled in with five more. And, uh, you know, so just, just pretty cool, uh, you know, and I just, I don't know, I, I, I just, it's such a cool set, you know, uh, and, and just the 18 cards, 18 cards, and I was able to, uh, you know, to add two more. I'm up to 15 out of the 18 um, the hardest three to get, uh, you know, the, the Tony Latone, the, you know, the, uh, the Charlie Berry and, uh, and the racist RACIS. So, you know, that's it, a tough set. To, to, to fill in our audience one more time, because we know we had uh, Mike McKee, Steve Wolf and Jeff Payne on talking about, Steve talking about this stuff before. How many how many cards is it estimated to actually be in existence of this set? <laughs> I just do we can we just give a, an educated guess? You know, less than twelve, or you know, what are we looking at here? Uh, less than eighty in existence in totality. Uh, Eighteen cards to the set. Right now, we know of about four sets, which is seventy-two cards. Um, right. And out of those 72 cards, we've accounted for the existence in personal collections of probably 60 to 62 of those. Uh, okay. So, I mean, we, we know where, you know, friends, family, et cetera. I mean, you know, Jeff has a full set of all 18. Uh, you know, Steve Wolf is, you know, right there. I think he has 13 or 14. I'm up to 15. You know, uh, you know, so, I mean, if that's because, there, you know, there's, you know, there's uh, 47 of the 72 right there. Uh, other right. collectors we right. know who have some, you know, samples and stuff like that. Just an incredibly rare set. I mean, 72 of these maximum to exist. But, you know, like three of those are Charlie Berry. Two of those are Latone. You know, there's only one Charlie Berry out of four sets mm-hmm. that are as even known to exist. The first one ever to be seen was in that hunt auction that ended up in Jeff Payne's set that we talked about on the show. But just incredible. You talk about rare. I mean, you know, the, the, the 26 possible maroons are, you know, the, you know, the, you know, champions of the NFL. They have the, the stolen championship. This is a professional team. It's from 1926. This is probably one mm-hmm. of the first complete sets. I mean, you've got, you know, the, you know, the, uh, you know, the Spalding All-American, you know, that's, that, you know, that's a, you know, that's, that, that set is football, baseball, it's everything, you know, uh, you know, you, you've got, I don't know, if you think about it, this is probably one of the first football sets known, known to exist. And it's, right. just, it, right. it's, it's akin to the Mount Everest of, of collecting football. Right. I love it. And again, I, I I got a feeling, and this is my feeling on it. Maybe somehow, somewhere, maybe there's a couple sets in private collectors' hands that have not been able to, or don't um, don't want to, you know, uh, known about, so on and so yep. forth. And that's always possible, so on and so forth. And again. We don't know that, and that's that's the beauty of the hobby, especially when you're having something as this obscure come to light and to uh, see, you know, four very, very serious collectors of the set. 
actually finding it and eventually completing it. Because I'm confident you guys are going to complete it down the road. Uh, I can't see that you wouldn't find those somehow, somewhere. And you'll never know. It could be in the in the most um, obscure place you find it. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden yeah. it comes I, comes to light and you pick it up and that's it. You know? Simple. Yep. I I hope so. Uh, I mean, it's... I hope so. But when there's only one known card to exist of of one of them, you know, the Charlie Barry, it's... Uh, right, right. It's not hard to imagine that Charlie Barry being the star of the team. You know, I remember taking, you know, I hate to say it, but I remember taking my, my O.J. Simpson card, you know, to school in my lunch pail and, you know, your, your, your milk jug, you know, your milk thermos leaks and the card ends up destroyed. I mean, you know, this is, you know, 1926. I mean, you know, we, we've talked about it in nauseam. You think about paper drives and, you know, parents throwing stuff out and, you know, rodents, insects, fires, floods, everything that can get between a thin piece of paper, you know, you know, postcard. And now, you know, coming up on a hundred years later, 95, you know, right now, it's, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it takes one person to take it to school to leave it on their desk for it to get blown off their bike, you know, whatever. And, uh, and it's gone. So, one of them known, and so who knows? Maybe one of these days I'll finish it. Maybe one will come up in auction. It'll be hard fought after. Uh, you know, Steve, Steve Wolf, and I'll have to Rochambeau to see who gets to, you know, who see who gets to bid on it. So, it's amazing. It's amazing, Kurt. Amazing set, and it's an amazing history of the set at the same time. But again, I, I still believe there's stuff out there. There's still stuff that has to be that can be discovered. Uh, for um, rarities and for obscure issues, yep. so on and so forth. And uh, here's just one example that uh, with a lot of leg, leg work, you, Steve, Mike McKee, and um, Jeff Payne really have analyzed and, and come up with a, an amazing um, analysis and history of this set. And in pursuing it, again, preserving football, early football history. Which is what it's all yep. about, in my opinion, to say the least. So, congratulations on your pickup. It's it's uh, it's an amazing pickup, to say the least. Now, to, Thank to you. deviate just off deviate off track, when the few minutes we have before our guest uh, arrives, um, apparently the Nationals a go from what we're hearing, and uh, I guess they're going to be going pretty much at full capacity. I don't, I don't, I haven't got any particulars right now. Um, I'm still waiting to hear back from a few people on it, but um, I do not know. And again, I'm going on a limb. I do not know if I will be attending this year for the simple reason we're supposed to be moving that week. So it's going to be uh, precarious one way or the other. What's going to happen, and if uh, I'll be attending or not. So uh, again, you'll be 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 driving right by. You'll be driving right by Chicago, Bob. No, not not, <laughs> not not really. I'll be driving uh, eighteen hours out of my way if I do that. So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna play it by ear, and I'll, I'll make an announcement well, later on in July last, of what's happening. Last year was missed because of COVID. I missed twenty nineteen right. because a friend of mine got married on the exact Saturday of the national. Yep. My last yep. national was uh, was twenty eighteen. So I am uh, making the trip to Chicago with my with my son Xander uh, mm-hmm. for a dude's mm-hmm. weekend, and we're going to have some fun. Uh, a national is a national without me. A national is not a national without the captain. You know, heading uh, heading you know council table uh, for football at uh, at a pizza, at Giordani's Pizza or mm-hmm. whatever it's called. <laughs> it's not yeah. a national without yeah. the captain. I think what's going to happen now, since I'm going to be in Southport, uh, I will probably be attending the Chantilly show much more often because it's basically a uh, hour, 15-minute flight from where I am into Dulles there. And uh, the Chantilly show is very close to the airport. And I think I only have like a six-hour six hour drive if I wanted to drive up to set up there. So there's a couple options. And then next year it's back in Atlantic City. Uh, which from here is a very, very easy ride for me. 
if I'm down in South, I'll be down in Southport. It will not be that easy to ride, so I'll have to figure out what I'm doing then. But we'll see. We'll play. We'll take one day at a time and and figure it out from there. But I think there's going to yeah. be uh, a lot of a lot of pent up excitement about the show. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the grading issues uh, play out with regards to if uh, all the uh, millions of cards that needed to be graded get graded or in the market, yada, 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 where the grades are, who's buying what, so on and so forth. So it should be very interesting to, to see how it plays out there and uh, how much a actual box of wax packs <laughs> For 2021 would cost at the show, you know, two, three, four hundred dollars, whatever it may be. Oh my gosh, horrible! It was interesting today. Pains me. It was interesting today. I was in the local Walmart near where I work, and I actually saw the display setup for Tops and Bowman baseball. Not that there was any cards there, but I actually saw the display piece. So I was going to ask the manager there if I could buy it off of him or if I could have it, but I didn't. I didn't want to, uh, you know, because I figured I could get mugged in the parking lot. Somebody might see me taking it out and think I might have cards or something. <laughs> I'd open wax packs, and they tackle me there and, you know, grab them from me or whatever. But do we have, uh, uh, do we have time to <laughs> mention a near record football card sale that happened over the weekend? Yep, yep, yep. Incredible. Yeah. Share that uh, real quickly. I was going to mention yep. that too. I, I, I apologize. I know we have a guest coming up, but the uh, the 2000 Playoff Contender Championship rookie ticket card, number 144, Tom Brady, sold in Leland's over the weekend. It was a uh, gem mint nine or excuse me, a, B, a BGS uh, Gem Mint 9 with a 10 autograph. It was the highest graded, uh, you know, a championship ticket one to sell. It sold for the tidy sum of, Bob, you ready? $3,107,372.40. That includes the VIG. $3.1 million for a baseball card that I have a nephew card. that's younger than that. Or football, excuse me. I sorry, I said the B word. Uh, so three point one million dollars. I have a nephew that's younger than this card. Uh, man, uh, unbelievable. unbelievable! Unbelievable indeed. I think that's a great way to say it. Truly so, unbelievable. Who knows? Who knows, Bob? Our industry, our hobby. I don't know. I you know again. I think it's because I'm older now. I would take three million if I had that extra money and do something else with it. You know what I mean? Than buying yeah. a twenty-one-year-old Tom Brady rookie card. Whatever you could buy, pretty much every Hall of Fame rookie card in a high grade for that one card. Right, right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well. Our special guest is here, and I'd like to introduce him and get into our next part of our show. Our special guest tonight grew up in Texas. His first season watching football was 1969. He was a Cowboys fan, especially Bob Lilly and Roger Staubach. He's also a Chiefs fan now since his sister moved to Kansas City. As a kid, he drew NFL football player pictures. In his 40s, he started hand-painting NFL logos on football helmets, and also made NFL history helmet plaques as well as with pitchers and verbiage. In 1991, in Orlando, Florida, he saw his first McFarland statue and was blown away by the detail. He started painting yep. his own cowboy and chiefs McFarland figures for his personal collection in the 2000s, buying stock figures, converting them to earn some extra money for Christmas. He also listed some of them on eBay. He started making multiplayer dioramas based on memorable plays in NFL history, and these became very popular. He spends every day working up custom designs, and I'd like to welcome tonight Mr. Mike Johnston to our show. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob and Joe. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thanks. 
Thanks for being on. And uh, before we get started, I, I just uh, like you to tell our audience which pieces did you actually do for our super collector in our last issue, John Sanchez, who was a guest on this podcast a, a little uh, few uh, segments ago. Oh, uh, several of them. Mostly the the dioramas, the action scenes. Um, I'm, I'm, I know I've got Bob Lilly tracking down Bart Starr on one. Um, mm-hmm. He's got he's got four or five of them. Uh, they got the Doke and the Boys, which is a full horseman yeah, sitting on the bench that one. he requested. Mm-hmm. I think he told me he liked that was his favorite favorite one that he had. He's got quite the collection. I enjoyed looking at his uh, online thing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's. Unfortunately, I met him later on in the game. He already had most of his collection filled when I started getting heavy into this. But he's a good guy. Okay, small Um, small world, kind of of funny, isn't it? So, well, thanks for being on, Mike. Appreciate it. These are really fascinating. I really, I really loved the the grid on great. You know, uh, you know, article that came out the the front page of it, it was awesome. Um, I've just I've always admired people who uh, who have this artistic talent because I do not. Um, I remember as a kid trying to draw the Seahawk logo, the old Seahawk logo, on a piece of paper and sitting there or putting a piece of paper over it and trying to trace over it. It just never came out. So people who can freehand this stuff. And it, and it looks awesome. It's just I tip my hat to you. So, so th- that being said, I've, I've always wondered, like, the process of how you create them, how you come up with the scenes, how you, you know, just the, the process of how you do it all. Well, I, a lot of times I'll base it off of a picture that I find, especially the, you know, the big plays like the immaculate reception and yeah. Uh, I've recently did uh, Jack Tatum knocking uh, uh, Sammy White's helmet off in the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll try to base it off of off of a picture. And first, I'll I'll find a figure that's close to the pose that I want, and then I'll uh, sometimes I'll replace the arms, the legs, or the heads if necessary. I'll stick steel small steel rods and glue them to connect the pieces. And a lot of times I'll have to sculpt uh, longer sleeves and pads, and I'll remove the mask and the helmet bumpers if needed. And then uh, it's two to three coats of uh, color. You know, lay, I use latex color, and I have uh, printed decals made for me that I cut with an exacto knife and apply. And then I'll attach the appropriate face mask. Sometimes I have to try and create a face mask, which is kind of tough because they're real small. And a lot of the uh, the old cow catcher type full face mm-hmm. masks from the sixties those are pretty tough. Once I've completed the figure, I'll spray three coats of flat poly, and uh, then I'll brush two coats of gloss poly on the helmets. And then sometimes I need to insert steel pegs in the feet or legs to attach to the field if if I'm using a different one. Uh, and the base is just a, a oak board that I'll sand, stain, and varnish. And then on top of that, I'll have a if it's astroturf, I'll have felt, and if it's grass, I'll make that uh, out of a texture patching plaster material and I'll mix in sawdust and small fibers from a paintbrush to <laughs> make it look like grass. And I paint it and apply flat poly on that and attach it to the field and print and laminate nameplates for the base and and then drill holes in the field to attach the, the pegs from the player's foot or leg. Sometimes Sometimes the players are attached to each other. I try to make it where there's not a whole lot of pegs showing, you know, so it, they appear to be off the ground somehow, and you don't really know how. A lot That's of, kind of, a lot of what showing? Pegs? Oh, uh, pegs. The, the pegs. Yeah, I want them to look. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't like those that to show sense. up if at all possible. Because they don't. Yeah. You know, it makes it more realistic looking. Yep. The, the detail on it is 
the the detail on them are, are, is just incredible. I mean, uh, it's truly amazing to, to 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 see the uh, you know the detail on it. And and uh, I like you just stepping back in your introduction. You were talking about um, and we we were conversing via email. You were collecting starting lineups at one time, and then when you saw the McFarlands, you could see the incredible difference between the two. Uh, as far as obviously oh, quality in, in production and so on and so forth, so uh, I was, the McFarland to me was, yeah, well, go ahead. The uh, McFarlands were just, uh, you know, again, exciting for anybody looking at them if you were collecting starting lineups. That's for sure. Oh that's yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a big step up. I mean, again, I remember 1988 when the first starting lineups came out. Um, I bought them. And um, I bought a few of them, and uh, I distinctly remember actually sadly taking them out of their package uh, because I was more <laughs> interested in the card uh, than the actual display oh, yeah. piece. I thought that this, the display piece was pretty neat, but uh, it really didn't do anything for me. And then when I saw the actual McFarlane, it was, it was, it was amazing to see. So uh, I do share... That, that point with you that uh, I can see how people couldn't be very, very um, uh, overwhelmed with the McFarland and, 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 and enjoy it much more than that other types of statue collectibles that have hit the marketplace over the years. But uh, yeah, the again, details are just amazing on those. They are. They I'd are. like to, I'd I'd like to at, see how they, I'd like to see a factory, see how they actually do those. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. I can only imagine. So, in looking at that, and 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 trying to trying to, again going back to, um, your process to create those figures. I'll back up a bit. How how did you get really get into this area of sports art? You know, other than what we briefly mentioned in the introduction. Yeah, I uh, I saw the McFarlands and I, and I. And I really wanted some. At the time, they didn't have a Roger Staubach, and they still don't have a Bob Lilly or Lynn Dawson. And <clears throat> that's kind of what I started with is Cowboys and Chiefs because I'm a big fan of both teams. And and after a while, it's like I kind of branched off to other teams and the dioramas and everything. And it was just basically because I wanted something that wasn't out there. And I just, it took, some of the first ones I did were god-awful, but, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, a, lear, a learning process. It just kept, well, I'll do this a little different next time, and and I just really enjoyed it. It's amazing. Now, uh, how long does it take to, to actually finish the final piece? I mean, obviously everything is, can be different, and, you know, th- depending on, uh, you know, what you're actually creating so on and so forth so for instance give it give us a um a, 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 a uh, estimate like for just a one piece and or like a four piece five piece uh multiplayer scene it takes probably i would i would guess five to six hours depending on the amount of sculpting i need to do to get to the right pose the um the, the plays that are you know famous uh, the big important plays that are famous that I try to replicate take more time because the legs got to be a certain way this way and the hands have to be a certain way that way, and, you know, but um, those take a little bit longer. I tried to do common tasks at one time just to for efficiency. I'll, I'll have three or four of them going at the same time and do do common work, hmm. and that, that helps helps it along a little bit, but... Yeah, the, the the dioramas of the of the special plays are pretty time consuming because they've got they've got to look like the play. They can't, you know, just can't have the two guys with numbers on them. They've got to look like the actual play. Like the one I one of my favorites is uh, Y.A. Tittle with his helmet off and blood coming down yeah. his bald head. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> on his knees, on his knees. Yeah, yeah, that and, is a classic. Uh, yep. Yep, and, and Bed, Bedneric right. decking, Chuck Bedneric knocking uh, Gifford out, and you know those uh, those are the challenging ones, but those are the fun ones. 
Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's like you said, and it's got to look. I mean, if, if people don't even need to see the number, you know, then, uh, you know, it's got to look good. It's got to look similar, which is why you said it takes a while. It takes long. And some of them are challenging, too, because things happen on different parts of the field, like the immaculate reception. You've got Fuqua getting drilled by Tatum and the ball bouncing back to Franco. And it's kind of like, it's kind of hard to uh, split. I kind of split those into two bases because they're not, the plays happen, parts of the play happen so far apart from each other. That's That can be a challenge sometimes, too. Hmm. Well, you mentioned earlier, you know, Dolick and the boys. But I think one of my favorites, you know, that uh, that John shared with us was uh, the Don Hudson one. I don't know. I just, I'm a huge fan of Don Hudson. I thought it was really, really well done. I mean, uh, you, you've got to have been some interesting stories about how you how you pick the scenes that you're gonna that you're gonna work on. Uh, you know, just you know how you get started, how you find the, the pieces you're gonna you know repurpose into it. Uh, yeah, I I just I find most of the the stock pieces on eBay. I'll try to find a bulk group of just no names because you know get them fairly reasonable then. And um, I just I just think back to plays that that are memorable to me, like the the Hail Mary mm-hmm. catch from Drew Pearson, and um, it's just it's just plays that stick out in my mind. You know that. Uh, that I remember in my mind, and I want to see him in front of me. So it's and and I enjoy doing also the like entire uh, groups like uh, the Steeler linebackers together and the, the Cowboys Doomsday defense linemen and you know have have a and uh, the fearsome foursome. I've done several of those. Those are always kind of neat to look at. Yeah. The the four horsemen was kind of diff, kind of difficult because to to scope four guys sitting on the bench to match the photo was kind of tough because you don't have a whole lot of stock figures out there of guys sitting on the bench, and then the, yeah, and then the capes not, that they're yeah the capes they were wearing was a little outside my wheelhouse too, uh, but that I think it's the capes really helped make it. It's not as famous of a, of a pose. It's not as famous of a pose either. Like you said, no, Bernard, no. you know, and his, you know, and his, you know, fist pump after knocking, yeah. you know, Frank Gifford out, you know, stuff like that. It's just there's certain poses like, you know, we were talking about iconic, you know, pictures and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, one of the most iconic pictures to me, you know, is Vince Lombardi walking down the tunnel. Of Lambo and just all you see is a silhouette, his hat. Oh, that's yeah. iconic to me. And immediately recognizable to anybody who's a fan. But you can't do it's, that. It's, yeah, there's no way you, it, you can't make a you can't make a, a piece out of that. Right. It's like the silhouette of Tom Landry at Texas Stadium. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's like you know yep. who that guy is with his hat. The fedora. Absolutely. Yep. There's some things you can't make into it. Yeah. It's just so. You know, so the, your, you know, the, the Y.A. Tittle one was outstanding. I it just, you know, I thought that was just iconic. I mean, like you said, you know, Jim Thorpe. Yeah, I was going you know, to say the Tittle, Tittle piece by far and, you know, by far and wide as far as I'm concerned, is probably one of the most recognizable pitchers in NFL history. Uh, no matter what, you know, age you are, you've seen it at some point. So to actually you know, create that figure of it to see the little blood dripping from the head there. I mean, it's just, it's just amazing to me. I mean, and again, it's, it's, it's a recognizable figure for football people, and, and it's so classic, you know. So that's, I think that's mm-hmm. the, one thing I, I, the one thing I really liked about John's collection, and again, he gave us the, the whole tour of what he had. To me, what was the most incredible thing about it was was how recognizable everything was, and b the the, the incredible detail on some of these actual scenes. I mean, it, it was just, it was just incredible to look at. I mean, it was just, uh, I, I I truly 
although I've seen him over the years, I never saw anything at his depth as far as his collection was concerned. So it was, it was truly amazing, to say the least. Oh, I so I, I can only imagine what it's like to work with somebody like that or another collector who was asking you to do this, this, and this, and, and, and just go to work on it. It's amazing to me. It's I, really amazing. I had an int- I had an interesting one. A uh, guy wanted me to do a scene of uh, Bill Parcells on the bench yelling at Phil Sims and uh, and Lawrence Taylor trying to separate them. And that that one turned out kind of pretty interesting. I, I found a, I found a face of there's a McFarland of uh, uh, oh what's that linebacker for the Ravens Ray Lewis. Oh, yeah, Ray Lewis, where he's got his helmet off and he's strutting and he looks like he's yelling. I used his head for Bill Parcells and put a put a phone set around on on him, you know, a headpiece set on him. It turned out it turned out pretty neat. Looks like he's really really screaming at Phil, <laughs> and Phil's just holding his hands up like what, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not familiar. In the one. heat of the anyway. In the heat of the moment on the bench, classic, uh, classic scenes to say the least. Mike, are you working on anything in particular right now? I've got, yeah, I've got some in the works. I'm, I'm working on the the Cowboys Super Bowl six offensive line of Rayfield Wright, Blaine Knight, Dave Manners, John Island, and Tony Lissio. and uh, I've got a diorama planned on the. Reggie McKenzie blocking for O.J. Simpson, and Ooh. another one of uh, Steve Largent blasting Mike Harden after an interception. I mean, it's a yeah, it's a it pay payback for a, for a <laughs> hit he, he got from Harden. Yeah. Yeah. Do that one, yeah. and that Hollywood Henderson dun- dunking dunking over the goalpost after a kick return. That one, that one will be kind of neat. I think I did a, I did a Tony Gonzalez. Uh, dunking on the goalpost one time that turned out pretty neat. Describe the Largent on and Harden one. That is a classic hit. I mean, because when Harden hit him crossing midfield, he knocked two teeth out. He, I mean, he took Largent out for like the next four or five games. I mean, it stunned him. It's a, you know, it's a bad bad hit. So I mean, that is as a Seahawk fan, that is an iconic moment in in history. So I mean. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see a picture of that one too, if you got it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll send you one when I get her done. It's a, it should be cool. I, I, I like the violent hits that I uh, I did one of uh, too tall, not too tall. Uh, Deacon Jones hitting Craig Morton, and his hand is up in his face, and his helmet's starting to come off. And it's like the more violent, the the better. <laughs> Because it's a violent game, and that's what I guess that's what first attracted me to football is just the the violence and the just everything about it. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to see that uh, larger one when you get done. Get done, but yeah, love it. I mean, so I mean, we we've talked about a lot of a lot of pieces here. I mean, you know, I've mentioned the Huds and the Tittle. You know, are kind of my favorites. I love the Doak and the Boys. You know, because of you know, because, uh, you know, how it was in the Gridiron Greats, you know, uh, magazine. But, I mean, do you have any favorites? I mean, I, I know sometimes like asking which one's your favorite kid, but, yeah, do you have any favorites? Probably the Ice Bowl sneak because uh, hmm. it's a big, big one. It's got 22 players and two referees and goalpost and an icy field. And it, it took a lot of study and, and work to – position each player with the right pose, um, you know, with, with the Mersenne diving over Star, holding his hands up in the air, not to be penalized for pushing Star in the end zone. That's <clears throat> that's the exact moment that I tried to capture. And you've got all these linemen piled together trying to sort through all that and figure out who's on top of who and where they are. And it took, it took quite a while. It took a Several weeks to complete that, but uh, I haven't. I have not sold that one yet. I kind of. It's just so much. It was so much work. I could never get what I put into it. But I've got icicles hanging off the goalpost, and 
it was just it was a it was a big challenge, but it was it's fun to look at. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Do you collect football? I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, we know you make McFarlane's, but I mean, do you do you collect football cards or you know, you know, items, anything like that? I I did when I was a kid. I uh, it's funny talking about the O.J. Simpson card. It, it reminded me I had that was my most valuable card, and it was the only one that I had that was folded in half, <laughs> which is is my luck to a T. But uh, I I collect uh, football helmets, and a lot of times I'll I'll paint them myself and hang them up. I've got every NFL team hanging up with a half helmet on my wall, and that takes up a lot of room. I just I could I could go crazy with it, but uh, I do it a little less now that I'm older and a little more strapped for money. But uh, if if I had unlimited sources, I would be I'd be buying stuff every day. Pardon me. Mostly, it's just the mostly it's just the McFarlands that you uh, you you buy and take care of that uh, that take up your collection. Yes, pretty much. A few bobbleheads here and there, and, uh, but yeah, mainly, mainly McFarlands. Nice. Hold on. Oh, we 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 all collect. We're all we're all you know variations of nerds. So there you know, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, we I don't. Enjoy, I think we. I think we all enjoy collecting for the simple reason it it in one way gives us memories of of past times or or gives us memories of a favorite game, favorite player, so on and so forth. And some of us also collect to preserve the history of the game for the simple reason you know we we live in a disposable society where you know we're we're turning away from paper we're turning away from this and um i i just don't think collecting electronically does anything for me you know what i mean so i think we all collect for different reasons but i think we also collect for similar reasons at the same time you know what i mean and um as i told joe uh, last show, look at the hobby today. It, it's kind of amazing, you know. Guys waiting in line at Walmart so they can buy out the stock mm-hmm. only to flip it to another dealer. B, uh, everything is encapsulated, uh, graded, and uh, you know put away and sold by number type of thing. And it's just a, it's just a completely different a different way of collecting than what I'm used to. In McFarlands and starting lineups and all those pieces. It's pretty unique because hey, you're not going to get a McFarland graded. That hasn't happened yeah. yet, and um, you know it's something you could actually look at and enjoy. Enjoy it, you know. It's a display piece. You have it out, and you have people look at it, so on and so forth, and it gives you pleasure looking at it. Type of thing. I can only imagine John I... set up again. John set up looking at everything. I mean, that, that, that's incredible. You know what I mean? It's like a museum you're in. It's, it's it's amazing. I, I enjoy the I enjoy the memories that it generates. You know, those are I I wish I I almost wish I was older so I could have seen you know more football from the '60s with Jimmy Brown and, yeah. and more of Gale Sayers mm-hmm. and, and I, I love I love watching old old NFL films because to me the, the '60s and '70s were like that that's that's the meat of it for me. I, I love those that era. The, Teams had the same players year after year normally, and and you lived and died with those teams. It was it was highly personal, you know, for me. Yep. Uh, Became a I fan mean, of the players, the teams. Yeah, you didn't have to get used to seeing your star quarterback move to a different team midway through. Or yeah, I mean, you, you know, yeah. One of the things I love about Steve Largent, you know, you know, his entire career, same place, Seattle. Right. I can't yeah, believe Houston so cut him. <laughs> so it's so rare today to have a player actually play out his career in one team without, you know, the usual. You know, look at Brady; he's in Tampa now. Yeah. Um, I can't. I kind of thought he would have, would have, you know, did his run with New England. But again, you know, it, today football is a business. I mean, that's it. Players are protecting themselves back. with their monetary interest more than anything else. So back, it is back what in the sixties and seventies. Back in the sixties and seventies they had to work jobs in the off season just to 
pay the yeah. bills. They didn't. They didn't but make I mean, any we, money to speak of. We we also idolized these guys for, you know, I mean, it, it's just it, it was always better back when. I mean, I'm making air quotes, but I mean, you know, Johnny Unitas, you know, with a Chargers helmet on. I mean, there, there's you know Joe Namath with the Rams. There's lots of examples of even our older Hollywood or, or our older football, you know, you know, uh, idols, you know, having to switch. I mean, Joe Montana. I mean, Bill Walsh was famous for, hey, if you're not performing, you're, you're going out the door. It doesn't matter what your legacy is. It doesn't matter if, you know, you, you're one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL history. You're, you know, Joe Montana was traded to Kansas City. Uh, Brett, you know, it's yep. just, it's, yep. it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I mean, O.J. Simpson, I, I don't know, I could keep, keep on going. It's just, it's fascinating. We, about every year or so we have this thread on VFC about, you know, right player, wrong uniform. And it's just funny to see, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know Jerry yeah. Wright in a Seahawk uniform, Roger Cray. I just, I don't know. It's, it's always been happening. It seems like it happens more now, though. I guess would be the best way to say it. Yeah, yeah, definitely more it's now. Free agency changed it, everything. It's happening more, and the careers to me are much shorter than they've ever been. You know, a guy's lucky he plays two or three seasons. That's it. You know, it's simple. I mean. How many guys really last, you know, eight, nine, ten seasons? Uh, it's not – it's the, the minority, not the majority. To say yeah. Those. Mike, how do how would our audience contact you if they want to see and, and or buy some work or commission you to do some work for them? Um, I A lot of times I'll, I'll make a display that I think is cool, and I'll just list it on eBay to see what happens with it. Uh, Mike. My eBay name is Lily Staubach, which tells you who I ended yeah. up rooting for when I was a kid. But it's Lily Staubach, and I've got a I've got a Facebook page with pictures uh, called uh, Top Shelf McFarlands, which I just all all it is is a, is all, a lot of pictures that are ones that I've made. Uh, my email address is. Uh, M J V J Johnston J O H N S T O N at A T T dot net. Uh, my wife said I probably shouldn't give my phone number, so. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, that's that's how well, that's how I'll, people can reach me. I'll also offer to our audience if anybody's interested, they can contact me directly, and I'll, and I'll direct them to you. And uh, oh, that'd be great. You guys can uh, appreciate that, and you guys can talk about. Uh, any commissionings or anything you have in inventory, so on and so forth. Uh, another question I normally conclude our interviews with by our, our guests is, do you have any advice for a beginning collector, in this case, a beginning collector of statues, McFarland's, uh, for football? Oh, you mean custom ones or just McFarland's in general? That is, McFarland's in general, customs in general, you name it, whatever advice you have. Oh, just, um, I guess when you're bidding on eBay, wait until the very last moment to bid on it so you'll have a better chance of of getting it. Um, <laughs> and just, uh, you know, I don't know, just stick with what you love. That's kind of... I, I love doing this, and it's uh, it really never feels like work. So, um, pick pick out something that you that you treasure. That if anything else, nothing else reminds you of your your happy childhood days. That's what I kind of shoot for is is the, is stuff that reminds me of my happy happier days when I was a kid. You know, when fo- football meant everything. <laughs> yeah. I know that feeling well. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> Football, oh my God, I love. Uh, you have our email chain. I'd love to see the, uh, you know, the largent one you're talking about. And if you work on a, you know, that that iconic Jim Thorpe, Canton, you know, Canton Bulldog pose, I'll send you a picture. But I'd love to see if you could make one of those too. Those, those are great. Sure. That sounds good. Yeah, and also I'd like to mention. You're the only person I've ever known or spoken to who who uh, worked get her done into a conversation, and it sounded good. I uh, just I see it on TV shows, but I 
And I lived in I lived in Orlando. Uh, you you mentioned in your bio you uh, you lived in Orlando, Florida. I was stationed in the Navy in Orlando for many years. So uh, even being in the South, I've never heard somebody say "get her done" and and meant it. Um, so I'm su- I'm surprised I didn't say "pert near" somewhere in there too. Pert near. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could, we, actually, we heard that one. Yeah. I think we could tell you're from Texas, so that's that's good. That's a good thing. So uh, very interesting. Texas, and so Mike, Texas, living in Kansas City, but still Texan. Yeah, that's still that's still good. Uh, good Midwestern area. You got that southern southern influence there too. So. That's neat. That's neat. Well, Mike, thank you for being on the show tonight. And uh, again, I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, you'll uh, you'll be hearing from some people for more work, and uh, you'll keep going with uh, your incredible displays that you've made. And uh, again, uh, I, I I think this is one area of the hobby where I think it's it's overlooked to a certain degree, and at the same time being overlooked, though, uh, collectors should realize what a great addition a figurine of McFarlane, a custom McFarlane, would do for their collections. And uh, I do appreciate uh, looking at them and, and viewing them. And, and again, you have done and are doing some great work uh, with regards to it. So I... I highly recommend you, uh, for any of our listeners, if they're interested, again, if any custom pieces or anything you have for for sale, I think uh, they're great additions to your collection. So, Mike, thanks for being on again. We appreciate it. Thanks kindly. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Okay. Mike Johnson, custom McFarland artist. Uh, Incredible work. And, again, it, it, it lends me to go back to John and his collection and John has been a subscriber for to gridiron greets for since literally the beginning. And when he contacted me about his, his, his collection, I I was just blown away. I had, I had no idea he collected them. I I had no idea of the depth of his collection, so on and so forth. It was truly amazing to me when I, when uh, I started corresponding with him on it. And then um, again, he, he sent out, some feelers to some of the artists uh, who created some of the, the work, Mike being one of them. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear that side of the story uh, in one of our episodes, uh, which we did tonight with regards to how they're created, so on and so forth. But I think it's pretty interesting. I mean, again, it's something completely different. You know, we're used to the standard areas of collecting cards, you know, wrappers, display boxes, all the paper items, yep. uniforms, footballs. But, we, you know, you really don't think about the McFarland pieces and you don't think about, to a certain degree, the starting lineups. And I hate to say it, I like the cards in the starting lineups better than the starting lineups themselves. You know what I mean? So um, that's not a good sign for me because I would break open, the you know, the package and pull the card out. And it's interesting to note, 1988, the starting lineup card set is very valuable uh, because, you know, how many people actually – save the cards and B a lot of you know kids who were this was marketed for would break open the the uh the display package and just play with the with the figurine you know what i mean whereas mcfarland's to me are much more for a more um advanced collector who truly appreciates what they look like and and and, and uh, how they would fit into their collection at the same time well, we're coming down toward the end of the show. Again, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. If you're not a subscriber to Gridiron Greats Magazine, what are you waiting for? Gridiron Greats Magazine. Gridirongreatsmagazine.com. Joe, we're going to go into so, our Yeah, while, while I was waiting. I'm, I'm, yeah, sorry. While I was waiting, I was, uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to remind myself of that Mike Harden hit on Steve Largent, you know, that Mike mentioned. Uh, and wh- how cool that he picked, you know, a, a topic like that. I thought that was pretty cool. So um, I'm usually pretty enthralled during the show, but I just took a took a brief <laughs> second to look that up. Uh, if you'll indulge me for a moment, the 1988 Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Steve Larger nearing the end of a obvious Hall of Fame career. I had to be obvious part. The man who some regard as a top ten, even five top wide all time receiver. 
uh, would retire for the 89 season. But on September 4, 1988, Largent had more than the win knocked out of him. Seahawks were taking on the Denver Broncos in their season opener in Denver. Seattle quarterback Dave Craig threw a pass over the middle, Largent's direction, Stanford Broncos, safety Mike Harden came across and plowed Largent's face with his forearm. The illegal hit knocked Largent unconscious, concussed him, and cracked two of his teeth out. Harden was fined 5000 wow. for the monster hit and was, quite frankly, an eerie sight. Largent was out for five minutes, said Largent's then 10-year-old son, Kyle Largent. Fourteen weeks later, uh, which would be the, you know, the season under, Seahawks and Broncos squared off again. Harden intercepted a pass in the end zone, running the ball out, when out of nowhere comes the five foot eleven Steve Largent. He not only knocked Harden off his feet, but made him fumble and recovered the fumble. Uh, it was the sweetest revenge for Largent and 100% karma knocking Harden on his ass. <laughs> Largent, who is now wow. 66, said that interception tackle fumble is his favorite moment of his entire Hall of Fame career not any of his 100 touchdowns. Wow. wow. Largent quoted, Largent quoted uh, the favorite play of my entire career is a tackle, not a catch. <laughs> That's pretty outstanding. I like it. Well, uh, I get, I oh, guess well. catching, catching those passes, you know, they become repetitive. But when you do something completely yep. different on the field, I mean, it's 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 great. I mean, I I remember you know you know playing and to me one of the greatest feelings was picking up a fumble, no matter where it was or who it was. Yeah. And, and again, you picked up a fumble, man oh man, you just wanted to hold that ball and run it off the field and, and take it home once you type of thing. I mean, that's that's yeah. the, you know that that's the that's the interesting part about football. Again, the the segment that you really don't expect and you don't think you're going to be part of that play and you end up being part of it is, is amazing to me. Truly amazing. So uh, I can see why Largent would say that. That's pretty cool. All right, we're getting into our two-minute warning, warning and wrap-up. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you. What'd you pick up on tonight's show? Really cool. I loved uh, Mike talking about his process and how he his attention to detail because he's right. You can't just slap a number on the back of a jersey and, you, you know, and, and, and or on the back of, a, of you know, the McFarland and people get it. It's got to be. I mean, we all have these, you know, these images burned in our minds. I mean, the, the Y.A. Tittle one kneeling, helmet off, hands on hips, blood coming out of the side. I mean, that, that is an image that's burned in my, in my mind. Uh, you know, Chuck Bednarik, you know, pumping his fist after knocking, you know, basically, you know, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know him out of you know commission for a year, yep, yep. Uh, and it's yep. just these are images. I mean, in the immaculate reception, that's a tough one to get, but you can you can get it. It's uh, so these are fascinating. It's just it's it's pretty interesting. I look forward to asking him if he can do a uh, you know I'd, I'd like to see if he can do a Jim Thorpe one, you know Kent Bulldog style. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be yeah. definitely cool. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I again, I I appreciate the work, the amount of effort and time that goes into these pieces, and to me, to me they're truly amazing. I, I I really don't have any artistic ability whatsoever, so I've always been in awe of people who um, have artistic ability to draw, paint, uh, do yep. these types of uh, statues, so on and so forth. I think they're very cool for uh, any any collection. It's amazing, truly amazing, and, and it's and it's different too. Hearing it from the artist's perspective rather than the collector perspective, so that you realize what's actually involved in and, and, and how much work goes into it at the same time. Very interesting. Yeah, All right, we're done. I've met it. Joe, final thoughts. Anything? Else? National, national, coming up. We're really looking forward to it. It's been a couple of years. My, my son talks about it. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to hanging out with some football nerds, uh, drinking some pizza, or eating some pizza, drinking a beer, uh, just talking, yep. talking hot. I love it. Uh, and at the same time, I'm going to put you on the, um, put you on the spot, possibly end of October, Chantilly show. You got to get out there. So uh, uh, you could come down to the new compound if it's ready yet. Oh. Check it out, and then uh, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll go up to Chantilly for the show. All right, we're out of time. Thanks for listening. We're going to be back next week. 
for the middle of the week for another show. Until that time, thanks for listening. RedAirGreatsMagazine.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude Podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.